In a lot of situations, the time pressure isn't real. We have more time to make these decisions than we think we do. And so one of the things you have to ask yourself is, do I need to make a decision right now? And oftentimes the answer is no. You are listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with attorney and the director of the American Negotiation Institute, Kwame Christian. He says it's time that we all get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to all my OG listeners and my brand new purpose chasers. I am so excited about this conversation because there is so much going on in the world and you know it, I know it, we're triggered. (laughs) In a lot of ways, we are being forced to engage in conversations that maybe we have never had to participate in, whether that be through social media or in our own living rooms, and it is getting really uncomfortable having the conversations that we are participating in right now. And for many of us, we'd rather shut down than continue. But the truth is, in order for change to take place and in order for us to actually get to the points in our lives where we may see ourselves, it's going to take having difficult and uncomfortable conversations. So, Of course, like everything else at Redefining Wealth, it lined up perfectly that Kwame was already scheduled to be on the podcast. But before we jump in, I want to make sure that if you are brand new, you know that this community is a bit different than maybe some of the other personal finance shows you may have stumbled upon. See here, we believe that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition, which says it's the condition of well-being. And so we have six pillars here at Redefining Wealth that we base our conversations around. These are the areas of life that we don't always make the connection to our finances with. Um, But we do here. (laughs) And so if you want to hear more about these six pillars and really do an assessment as well and see how you're kind of faring with those, you can go over to patricewashington.com forward slash start here, patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Today's conversation with Kwame is all about the people pillar. And that's because we believe that a part of wealth is understanding that you have to create relationships that matter. Uh, and Kwame's conversation is going to help you do just that. So without further ado, Kwame Christian Esquire and MA is the director of the American Negotiation Institute, where he conducts negotiation and conflict management workshops around the country. As an attorney and mediator with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, a Master of Public Policy, and a law degree, Kwame brings a unique multidisciplinary approach to making difficult conversations easier. In addition to his role with the American Negotiation Institute, Kwame also serves as a professor at The Ohio State University, Moritz College of Law, the top-ranked dispute resolution program in the country, and Oderbein University's MBA program. And I hope I said that correctly. (laughs) Without further ado, meet my friend, Kwame Christian. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Kwame. Hey, Patrice. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for being here. I'm super excited. I watched your TED Talk like three times. That's impressive because that's more than me. <laughs> but thank you for that. I'm glad you liked it. I did. I really loved just your take on conflict because we talk a lot at the people about the people pillar here at Redefining Wealth. And we say it's about creating relationships that matter. And my concern is that people always think that means pleasant conversations, like be nice to people, be respectful, um, you know, talk to everyone, doesn't matter if they're the CEO or the janitor. And while all those things are very, very true, there's like a flip side to the coin, which is you also, in order to grow your people pillar, have to become comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. And I serve a community of recovering people pleasers which means that that is very difficult to navigate. So I'm really excited that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And and that's that's my story too. So I think I'm in the right place as a recovering people pleaser. So is that so how did you get started? Yeah, and for me my background's in psychology. And so as you look at the TED Talk and and see my other material, you'll see I'm I'm very heavy on the psych side. Um even though I'm a practicing lawyer. And so I wanted to get into this to figure out what was wrong with me. Like, <laughs> why am I struggling here? So I wanted to be a therapist for the longest time. And so um, that really is what helped me to start investigating this. Because for me, my fear of conflict, um, strongly rooted in childhood, being different from everybody, um, growing up with a really strong Caribbean accent. And um, I just wanted to make sure that I kept all the friends that I had. And so that made me very conflict avoidant. And so I treated my, my fear of conflict like a, a phobia, just like you would in psychology. So looking at cognitive behavioral therapy, there's this element called exposure therapy. And you just have to put yourself out there and start having these conversations. And that's what I did. And um, it led me to become who I am today. And it's it's really exciting. And so that's where that passion comes from for me, because I recognize how difficult it is living a life when you are afraid of having these conversations. And our motto here is the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversation. So mm. my, my calling is to help as many people as I can and empower them so they can start having these conversations effectively and start living their best lives. I love it. And it, it does require having difficult conversations. Like living your best life is going to require. I think so often people, especially when they're quote unquote looking for their purpose, they're waiting for things to be unwrapped in like this pretty velvet box with a beautiful bow. And it's like a lot of times you're really going to know who you are, what you're made of, what's possible for you, what you're capable of on the other side of a difficult time and on the other side of having these type of hard conversations. It makes sense to me now, though, that you were a psychology major, only because I've recently been certified in financial psychology. So, yeah, when That's you were great. talking about fight, flight, or freeze, right? And you were talking about our reptile brain, our lizard brain, the part of us that snaps <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and doesn't slow down to rationally think through a conversation. Can you just kind of tell us why so many of us struggle with these difficult conversations? Well, the the first problem is that we're humans. 
<laughs> and we're going to have these flaws, right? And it's just, it's embedded within us. And I think that's one of the, the most liberating things about the way that, that I approach it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's start with self-awareness. And once you start to normalize that experience for people, say, hey, everybody dealt with it. Oh, Kwame, he dealt with this too? I guess I could figure this out too. It, it makes it a lot more approachable. And I think it, it helps us to approach this with self-compassion, which is necessary because we can often be our harshest critics. And um, when it comes to the, the barriers that we face, they're going to be unique barriers based on our upbringing based on our childhood and our experiences, for sure. But then they're going to be the common ones, like you said, the, the lizard brain, where we're thinking emotionally about these situations. And I think one of the most important things that we can do when it comes to analyzing our thought patterns is starting to be able to tell the difference between a feeling and a rational thought. Because mm. in the moment, they feel the exact same way. That's good. In the moment they feel, okay, so how do we separate that though? Because, you know, we love to make decisions just, well, I felt like, and I felt like they disrespected me. So I said, (laughs) (laughs) or I feel like they don't understand, or I feel like they don't respect me, or I feel like, and so there we go. We're like stuck in feelings. And I love when people say feelings aren't facts, but okay, what does that mean when we're in the midst of you know, getting ready to respond or react to something. Right. I think what we need to do is recognize the the amazing power of time. And so I'm a nerd, Patrice. I'm a big time nerd. I'm as in 13,000 games on chess.com type of nerd. <laughs> and, and so one thing that I've recognized is that in, in a lot of situations, the time pressure isn't real. We have more time to make these decisions than we, we think we do. And so one of the things you have to ask yourself is, do I need to make a decision right now? And oftentimes the answer is no. And so you can give yourself some time. An example I like is taking a shower. I, I think that's therapeutic. We all have those those shower therapy sessions where we spend a long time in the shower. The windows are all steamy. It's fantastic. And so what ends up happening is I might feel like it's really warm and it might be winter and I might open a window. And my wife says, it is freezing in here. What are you doing? I was like, it feels hot to me. So that's that's a real feeling. I really feel hot. But how does my body start to normalize again? It needs time. The temperature needs to go down. And that's how it is often emotionally. We need to find strategic ways to inject time between our responses to these situations. And the question you have to ask is, is am I responding or am I reacting? A reaction is just an automatic snap response. That is us acting as animals using the lizard brain. But if we can inject a little bit of time and think through this and process on a deeper level, our temperature will start to go down and we can start to see the situation a lot more clearly. Yeah, I love that. One thing I learned from therapy years ago was that you can decide not to decide anything like in that moment, like not deciding is a still a decision, right? (laughs) So my therapist taught me like it was actually our marriage counselor who said you can decide not to decide anything today. You can decide that you will make your decision in 10 days, in 14 days, in 21 days. That is still a decision because you're going to feel differently or perhaps receive new perspective or be exposed to new information that would impact the decision that you might have tried to jump to today. 
And that has been one of the best things for me. It has served me both personally and professionally um, in so many ways. Like I simply, I don't feel the need to respond to an email the moment I get it, especially if it's something that it could be conflict. I don't, I don't feel like I have to rush to it. I'll be like, ah, I'm going to close this and come back to it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so smart. It's so smart. And the thing is, what I've noticed for me personally, and it takes a lot of introspection to see your patterns. And then it's funny, once you get to a point where you're seeing the patterns, it's like, oh, I see what's happening. Oh, Kwame, that's funny. Uh, You're doing it again. Um, If I want to respond quickly, what I tell myself is that my first response is usually wrong. And so sometimes we always think about the, the emotional side on the negative, negatively. So we're saying, okay, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, and I don't want to respond in anger. But remember, when it comes to flaws in decision-making, it's emotional thinking. We have positive emotions too. Think about the decisions we might have made when we were younger and in love and completely infatuated with somebody. We were thinking positively then. It doesn't mean it was right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to think about those actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you have to consider both sides of it because the, the positive emotions can lead us to bad decisions in the same way. Oh, let's let's give an example of that, though, because I don't think we often think about that, that yeah. positive emotions could lead us to a bad decision. I know, obviously, I would have been married to many of people. there's several relationships I can think of from you know my younger years that thank God for interventions of some kind but what like what's an example you know as an adult a rational adult who see who feels like you know I've made good decisions what's an I an example of a positive emotion that's led you to a negative decision yeah. So think about this. Let's, let's do a business example. So imagine you have a friend who you've grown up with. You've been best friends. You hang out as, as often as you can. And you're really established in your business and your business is going really well. You have a massive audience. And your friend started this business about six months ago. When you're starting a business, there's some growing pains. You're still kind of finding yourself, right? They have a very small audience and their business is not very organized. And so they say, you know what? We should partner in this event and we should split everything 50-50. We're going to split the proceeds. You market to your audience and then I'll market to my audience. And then we're going to split everything down the middle. And they bring this up after you've you've had like a a sip of wine and you're having a great time talking about the, the good old days. And then they bring this up. And so what do you say? Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. We should definitely do that. Let's absolutely. Let's talk about that tomorrow. Then you go to sleep and you wake up and you say, oh my gosh, (laughs) what am I doing? And so that's an example. I think it's important when we have these conversations to recognize that difficult conversations, yes, we identify them as difficult because there's that feeling of tension and pressure that's familiar, but sometimes they sneak up on you and they're, they're in disguise. And we have to recognize that it's, there are certain points where we need to slow down the conversation and say to ourselves, this is a decision point. There are going to be points in the conversation that are more important where I'm going to take the next step one way or the other. I should wait before I take the next step until I've given it enough time to process and think it through rationally. I don't need to come to a conclusion right now. Right now, what I can do is just simply gather information. And the negotiation 
the definition I have is any conversation where somebody wants something. They want to create a partnership and you at this moment, you want time, number one, and information, number two. You're not making a decision. So you can still use those same negotiation tools to give you what you want out of that situation, which is time and information, which you could use to make a better decision at a later date. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, so let's stick with this example. So now it's you, you've had time and you've been able to gather information and you've seen that your good childhood friend has two and a half followers on <laughs> social media. That's her mom, her husband, her child. And like, that's it. And she's talking about you promote to your bigger platform and I'll promote to mine and on and on and on. And so now you have the information and you're like, this doesn't really seem mutually beneficial at all. Right. And it's time to go back and have the conversation that you're not feeling it. And how do we do that in a way that preserves the relationship? If it can preserve the relationship. Right. And here's the thing. When you think about your your pillar of people here, you want to have a pillar of the right people, the right relationships. And I think about conflict as relationship tests, or I should actually say relationship pop quizzes. You never know what is going to happen. (laughs) They just pop up. And so depending on how they handle themselves in the conversation, you can either have a stronger relationship or at least maintain the relationship at the same status so there's no damage. Or you might recognize, hmm, you know what? I don't... I might not need to get rid of this relationship, but a downgrade is coming. (laughs) A downgrade has come. And so the the framework that I use is called the compassionate curiosity framework. I I talk about it in in my book, the uh, nobody will play with me. And I mentioned it in the Ted talk, but the book articulates it more. And so it's a three-step framework. First step is getting, is um, acknowledging emotions. The second step is getting curious with compassion. And the third step is joint problem solving. So let's just go through it. And this is a framework that you can use in any difficult conversation, whether it's at work or at home. So in this situation, what's the emotion that we need to acknowledge? It's not always a negative emotion. We also want to acknowledge the positive. And so I'll say, Patrice, listen, we've been friends for a really long time. And I want you to know that I appreciate you. And I'm so proud of you for taking this leap and starting your business because I know it was tough for you to do. And then the transition that I like to make is instead of saying, but I say, the problem is that I got that from a children's book, (laughs) 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 negotiating, um, dealing with young, with uh, children, because I have a Mm four-year-old. So, because if you say, but, or however, they call those terms, the great eraser. Yeah. Negates everything you just said. (laughs) Everything. It's like, oh, here, here's the hammer. Let me pay attention here. So the problem is that right now, my schedule is, number one, it's packed. I already have a calendar set with these various opportunities. And then in addition, if I'm going to take advantage of these opportunities, what I need to do is make sure that it has the the appropriate payoff, not just for me, but also for my team. Because if we're doing something, we're going to allocate a lot of time and energy, and I need to make sure that I'm doing right for them. And so based on what I've discovered uh, after digging deeper into this, I don't think this is the right opportunity for me. However, 
if you want to do something in the future, maybe there's a time where it would work out. Now, that's a time where I would use however, because I'm transitioning to something that's more positive than what I just said. Mm-hmm. And so the and then I'll transition to asking more questions. I'll give them the, the opportunity to to say their piece. They might say, oh, no, but, you know, this will be like old times. I really want to do this. I, I you know, I, I promise I'm going to work really hard. It's like, OK, great. Well, how much time do you think it would take for you to get to a level where we could get, let's say, an objective value? So where we could pull in 20,000 people for this event, where you could pull in approximately the same amount of people as me. Oh, maybe a decade. <laughs> you know, my, my goal in these conversations is to make points very strategically like sniping, Mm -hmm. but get them to stumble across the truth themselves. I want to ask them a question, ask them a series of questions that leads them to the conclusion. Because when they feel as though they've stumbled across it themselves, it's easier for them to accept and absorb. It's kind of like inception. It's So it's me planting the seed, but they feel as though they did it themselves. And I think that's when persuasion is at its best. When the person can leave the conversation saying to themselves, you know what, after talking to Kwame, I think about this situation a little bit differently. And that's when the behavior change is most likely going to come. That's good. Okay. These are good nuggets. I know we have to rewind and hear that again so that we can apply it. Right. Okay. So now let's get to the end. So we're hoping that we've planted enough seeds for this person to wait. You've planted enough seeds for me, Patrice, to say, okay, you know what? I'm not at that level yet, or I may not be prepared yet. Let me go do some more work and come back and give it some time and come back when I'm more established or when this is a better fit, or maybe find someone who's more on my level at this point where we could equally contribute to something and it would be mutually beneficial because we're, you know, closer in stage of business or something. Okay. So that's what we hope happens. And then that I'm like, Kwame, you still my boy. Like, He's like, we still good. What happens when I'm like, you're selfish. I knew you were like this. Everyone says this about you. (laughs) Everyone says, oh, because, oh, you think you've made it now. You think you're big stuff. You're too good for the little people. Oh, I see what this is. How do you handle me in that? If that's my response. So two important things. No, let's say three important things. Number one you keep on using the framework. The framework doesn't change. Acknowledge Mm -hmm. emotions, get curious with compassion, and then joint problem solving. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is we have to be very firm with our boundaries. If, 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 if I say, if it's raining and then you say, no, it's not Kwame, I can't just say, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's not raining. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth remains the truth. It's still absolute. The situation hasn't changed, right? So we need to be very firm here. And the other thing is it's rarely ever a yes or no proposition. We, we present ourselves with this situation where we think it's a binary choice, yes or no. Remember, step three, joint problem solving. There's still a problem. The person needs some, some business help. They're looking for opportunities. Just because this particular opportunity isn't the one, it doesn't mean that you can't offer assistance in other ways. Maybe it's mentorship. Maybe it's connecting them with somebody who is a good fit. And so we still have that, that third option where we have creative solutions here. 
So if that's the the way that uh, Patrice, you want to play this game, let's play the game. So now the emotion has changed because at first I was acknowledging a positive emotion. Now you've presented me with a negative one. Patrice, I, I can, it seems as though this is, this is really hard for you. And I can understand that because you were hoping that we were going to be able to work together and it's, it's not going to happen right now. So pause for a moment. So when we're, we're acknowledging emotions, what we want to do is use terms like it seems like, or it, it sounds like. Those are the two terms that we want to use. It sounds like insert emotion here. Really easy. Don't need to complicate it. And so then you say, how else can I offer assistance? Since I'm not going to be able to, to partner with, with you in this way, how else can I be of assistance to you in a way that still maintains our relationship? And then I'll give you the opportunity to, an- to answer. And so notice, it's not just get curious, it's get curious with compassion. And I add that word because we need to take a, a, an idea of tone into consideration. Come on, Kwame, talk about it. Yeah, and so I always ask people, when you think about the word compassion, who comes to mind? Who comes to mind to you? Compassion? Um, for me, Jesus. Yep. So I get either Jesus or Mother Teresa. Those are the ones that always come to mind, right? And so now say to yourself, the, the mental trick we're playing here is now ask yourself, if Jesus were in this conversation, how would he ask an open-ended question? Now, in the Bible, <laughs> in, my, in, my, <laughs> in, in my experience, I had never had uh, like a business scenario with Jesus trying to do a joint venture with a friend, right? But I could assume that when he asks the question, he's not going to sound like a jerk, right? And so he's not going to say, so what the hell you want then? Because right? that's, <laughs> exactly. that's a question. But the, but it lacks it. That was a curious question, but it lacked compassion. Exactly. Exactly. Because here's the trick. This is why this framework works. Let me put on my psychology nerd glasses for a moment, please. And so when we're acknowledging emotions, whether or not we acknowledge the right one or the wrong one for the person in order for them to either accept or reject the label, they need to use the, the, the more higher level thinking. They need to think rationally about it. So they, when they are in their lizard brain, when they're very emotional, what happens is they're not thinking rationally, but this is a trick that gets them to think more rationally because you're asking them to to um, to label that emotion. That's why it calms them down. And then the second step, getting curious with compassion, when we force ourselves to, first of all, take a little bit of time and think about that person who comes to mind, who is compassionate, and then we ask ourselves, how would they ask an open-ended question in this situation? We have to think logically about that. Because lest we forget that we're humans too. And if somebody comes at me and calls me selfish, I'm going to feel emotionally about that. (laughs) So that's what causes our tone to be off. And so by injecting this little moment and thinking about who's compassionate and then asking a question, it slows us down. So we are at a better mental state as well. And so it helps to make sure that the emotional temperature in the room in general is at a more manageable place. And then you start to work through it. That's good stuff. That uh, That's really good. I can see, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily understood this as a framework, the way that you're laying it out, but I'm, as you're speaking, thinking through different conversations and you said something in the TED talk about the more personal it is to you. How did you say it? I think it was as the relationship gets closer, the stakes get higher. Yeah. Right. 
And I could see, I love that you said, like, respect your own boundary, like respect the boundaries, because I can see that if this is someone who means a lot to you or your perception of the relationship is that it's very close and you've already had to muster up the courage in this additional time you've taken to say, this is not going to work for me. And they don't respond the way you'd like. What I see and what I've experienced at different points in my life, I think I'm much better now. <laughs> but but what I've seen is the backpedal, like the backpedal to the people pleasing. And I like that you said, like, if it's raining, it's raining, right? Like, just because you don't feel like you want it to rain, it's that the truth is the truth. But what we do a lot is backpedal and then suffer on the other side. Because I'm sure with your business as an attorney doing a lot with these deals, you probably hear people say all the time, or I'm assuming you would hear, I knew I shouldn't have, or I knew we shouldn't have. <laughs> How often do you hear that? All the time, all the time. And and now when, with the negotiation, like consulting and the, the trainings, I hear it again uh, all the time. People bring me in too late. It's like, hey, Kwame, I'm working on this business deal. Um, I already told them, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why have you done this? <laughs> right? And so, yeah, that that happens a lot. But I think, like you said, in, in more personal relationships, we get scared at the prospect of losing the the relationship. And so we have the conversation. It starts to get a little bit heated. And then we just say, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. You know what? It's fine. And so like we, we make the decision, you know what? I'm just going to kick the can down the road. I'm not going to deal with it now. We'll, it'll just become a bigger problem later. It's really tough. And I think one of the easiest things to do in these highly emotional situations is keep in mind the concept of micro negotiations. Because, mm-hmm. of course, we're going to have these conversations and we're going to use the compassionate curiosity framework acknowledge emotions, get curious with compassion, joint problem solving. That's just getting to the point where we're trading ideas and trying to figure out what works. But sometimes the either your emotions or the other person's emotions are just too much to overcome in this conversation. You don't need to have the conversation right now. And so I tell people all the time, break it into micro negotiations. I think about the concept of persuasive weight. So imagine if we have like a rack of weights at a gym and your job is to move the entire rack to the other side. You're not going to try to incredible hulk it all at one time. I mean, Patrice, you're, you're fitter than me, so maybe you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot do that. I will be taking the weights individually one by one. And I think about these conversations at the same time. Sometimes I think it's going to be an easy conversation. Then I feel the conversation and I say, this conversation is a lot heavier than I thought. So now my goal is not to get to the fully completed deal in the conversation. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break this into chunks. Chunk number one, get information acknowledge emotions, let them know that I care, and then tell them that I'm going to process this and let's have another conversation. And that's a win because sometimes we try to get too much too soon and it hurts the relationship as a result. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You said something else that I wanted to make sure I hit on, um, which was that staying in constant conflict is an opportunity to strengthen our relationships. Constant conflict that sounds scary. What do you mean by constant conflict? <laughs> so, so think about this. I, I want you to get a, an image in your head. So imagine somebody who is a, uh, a gymnast and she's up on the balance beam. Now, from a distance, it might seem as though she's completely stable at all times. But if you get really close, you'll see that she's making micro adjustments 
You know, she might bounce, move a little bit to the left, micro adjustment to the right. They're, they're small and imperceptible, but they're happening to maintain balance. And I think about the same thing in relationships. So if I notice that something is a little bit off with my, with my wife or a business partner or, you know, somebody that I'm working with, a coaching client, whatever it happens to be, if I notice something's off, I'm going to say, hold on one second. It seems as though blah, 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 right? Acknowledging emotions. I see something. I'm going to acknowledge it and then we'll see where this goes. Then get curious with compassion. So wh- why are you feeling this way? W- what happened? Is there anything I could do? You know, asking those questions and then joint problem solving. The, w- this reveals the problem. Okay, well, do you think this could help? What do you think I could do to be more supportive? Those type of things. That's great. And the thing is, you can do this in any conversation. There are times where I'm, I'm doing a coaching, like a negotiation coaching session with somebody, either they're not feeling as confident or assertive, whatever it happens to be. I say, hey, Patrice, how you doing? And then you say, I'm okay. How are you? I was like, nope. Seems as though something, something's wrong. What's up? And so sometimes we scrap the entire agenda for the conversation and deal with that new pressing issue because that's what we need to do. And so I know it can be, it can seem daunting when you say constant conflict. Why would you want that? But really it's in, in my situation, it's a sign of love. It's a sign that you care about the relationship, that any little thing that's out of place, I'm going to acknowledge the emotion and we're going to see where it goes. And if the emotion is, I don't want to talk about it, it seems like you don't want to talk about it right now. Micro negotiation over. And that's it, mm. you know? And so you have to be really flexible. And that's what I like about the, the framework. It's really flexible. Based on what you see, you know which step in the process to utilize. And then maybe you just push it to the next, to the, to the next day if the emotion is too much to, to surmount in that conversation. But the thing is, you're constantly being proactive because conflict is always an opportunity. You just have to ask yourself what the opportunity is. And for me, as somebody who is conflict avoidant, we have to find reasons to move toward the conflict. And so beforehand, you ask yourself, where's the opportunity here? It's an opportunity to strengthen the relationship. It's an opportunity to discover a hidden problem. It's an opportunity to get information. It's an opportunity to see if this person is right for me, right? And so once we see that opportunity, um, we start to have that opportunity mindset, we're going to start moving toward these conversations more than avoid them. That's good. That's so good. I can just see relationships becoming richer just because of that piece alone. Because when you think about how many times we may have been in conversation with someone and you know they're visibly unhappy, upset, whatever, and we just power through with the agenda. Like, well, I came here to say what I wanted to say. You know, when you think about it, even in my experience, I couldn't be visibly upset and I think of times past, like with my husband and he would just keep what, well, well what's for dinner? Like wrong question. <laughs> right? <laughs> that is not the right question, right? You definitely ask him for conflict, right? But there was a way to just have a different conversation, which I think just makes the other party feel more taken care of, more respected, more seen, more heard which is going to lead to your point to the strengthening of that relationship. Even if it started with a difficult conversation, the fact that someone can acknowledge something seems off or you sound off and go from there, 
as a poet, as opposed to sweeping it under the rug or acting like they don't see, they don't care, which is the thing that I think makes the conflict snowball and just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And like you say, you can kick things down the road all day, but eventually by the time they get to you, they're there. It's, it's a wrap. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And they, it, it just grows. So I think when you, uh, address the conflict when it's smaller, it's a lot easier to handle. And then to the example that you gave, I think that's a great example. The thing is, people want to be seen. Even if they're acting like they don't want to be seen, people want to be seen. And if they don't feel as though you see them, they are going to try to make you feel them. So here's what I mean. So imagine in that situation, you you clearly something is wrong and your husband says so what's for dinner and in your mind you're like you cannot see <laughs> that i am visibly upset right now okay great you're going to feel it in a second i'm going to show you <laughs> in a little bit <laughs> right so avoiding and ignoring the emotions that are obvious on the other person's side it, it, it doesn't make it better. It makes it worse because now they say, I have not been seen. I guess I have not demonstrated enough emotional pain to the other person. So now the emotions just get bigger and bigger and more problematic. So our <laughs> attempt to, to avoid the emotions and pretend like they're not there, um, it, it, it ends up making things worse. So the only way to address the emotion and, and get over that emotional barrier is by going head first into it. And, and my whole strategy when it comes to negotiation and conflict resolution is avoiding unnecessary barriers to success. These conversations are hard enough. We need to, why, why make it more difficult than it needs to be? And emotional, unresolved emotional issues are going to make these conversations significantly difficult. That's why we want to start with acknowledging the emotions every time. So good. So you talk about so much of this on your podcast, Negotiate Anything, right? Mm-hmm. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Before I let you go, I have to ask you a few redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions. I'm ready. You ready? Okay. Tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Number one, how do you define success? Peace. Yes. Okay. How do you define wealth in three words or less? <laughs> peace, peace, peace. <laughs> 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 it's so real I mean, that's it's that's what it is for me <laughs> peace 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 as long as you have peace you're good yeah yeah how's that how's that going during quarantine though you get oh, peace in my gosh i <laughs> i feel so unstable all the time <laughs> but i tell you it's um it's i i have to remember that competitive fire that i have Right. And I tell this to Kai all the time. I say, Kai, we, we like things to be difficult because that means that the competition is struggling and I'm struggling now. And so I'm saying to myself, Kwame, it's OK. Everybody's struggling. And if you can keep moving forward, you're going to you're going to make some uh, distance between you and the competition. So I have to keep telling myself that. But it's easy to forget. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> your little boy is not about that piece right now. No, no. I'm glad he hasn't <laughs> come back in. <laughs> okay, next question. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Well, of course, I have to say Nobody Will Play With Me by Kwame Christian. 
Come on. <laughs> Personal. I, I, it's a relationship wealth. But um, in terms of financial wealth. Um, oh, we don't only measure wealth by finance. So you're fine. Oh, with your book. Yeah, yeah, let's go with good. it. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> let's go with it. All the, pe- all the pillars matter. All pillars yeah. matter. And actually, I'll do I'll give an honorable mention. Um, the uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Yes, that's great. Um, remembering his struggle it has really given me some perspective. And since I'm not in that situation that he found himself in, I mean, I feel almost guilty complaining when I think about his situation. And so for people who, who aren't familiar with the book, Viktor Frankl, he's a psychologist. He was a psychologist who was a, a Jew in, in Nazi Germany. And so he went through Auschwitz, lost his entire family and talked about what it was that helped to keep him and other people mentally and emotionally stable and continuing to go forward. Um, Just an incredible book. So highly recommended. Awesome. Thank you. And the last thing you're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Kwame Christian. And the truth about wealth is you have what you need already if you change your perspective. So good. So good. Thank you, Kwame. My pleasure. Oh, and before I go, one quick gift for your listeners. If you go to the website, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, you can get access to 15 free negotiation guides that'll help you with business negotiations, conflict resolution, salary negotiation, car negotiation, whatever it is, we we have a free guide for you there. So check that out. Oh my gosh. Say that one more time. What's the website? AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide. Perfect. Look at you giving gifts too. You you are already such a gift today. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. This was fun. I needed this today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Didn't I tell you that was going to be so good? Kwame is a wealth of information. I don't know if you heard in the intro, but I listed like 36 degrees that this guy has. That's how I tease him. I got so much out of this conversation, especially the reminder where he talked about the time pressure being real and we get to decide not to decide anything. That is so good because like he said, sometimes we're triggered in a lot of these experiences and we feel like I just have to say something. And it's funny, people talk about in social media, like, you know, Twitter fingers get people in trouble. So you see something and you just rush to react instead of respond. And it can actually have a damaging and lasting impact on your reputation. So I hope you found this conversation helpful. Something else I wanted to make sure I mentioned is that Kwame is also an author. He has the best-selling book, Nobody Will Play With Me, How to Use Compassionate Curiosity to Find Confidence in Conflict. His TEDx talk, Finding Confidence in Conflict, was the most popular TED Talk on the topic of conflict in 2017. It's the one that I watched a couple times. Really good. I'll link to it in the show notes. And he's also the host of the top negotiation podcast in the world, Negotiate Anything. And we have decided that in light of all of the conversation going on right now, just around social justice in general, that we would do a joint Instagram live together about how to have uncomfortable conversations around race. Yeah, 
And he's doing that with companies and corporations. And we're going to jump on an IG live and give our audiences a taste of what he does out there in the corporate world. But I thought it would be really important, again, for such a time as this. And I know I have so many people in the community who want to know how to better navigate these conversations. And, you know, I'm always about being a safe space for being able to ask real questions um, without feeling like you're going to get beat up or attacked and getting tools and resources that'll support you. So so just check my social media, uh, Seek Wisdom PCW, and look for the image with Kwame and I. You will see it, biggest day, promoting when it is. And whenever we do it, I'll make sure to save it so that you can always go back and check it out on my profile or on his. So Seek Wisdom PCW for me. And he's at Kwame underscore Christian on Instagram as well. So I'm Seek Wisdom PCW. He's Kwame underscore Christian. Go to our Facebook pages and look out for this conversation on how to have uncomfortable conversations about race. And I hope that supports you. All right. Okay. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.